What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? Hero Bread serves up 0 to 1 grams of net carbs, 5 to 11 grams of protein, and high fiber in every delicious serving. Made with natural ingredients, Hero Bread supports gut health, promotes weight management, and helps maintain blood sugar. Hero also drops other limited edition ultra-low net carb goodies like rich, flaky croissants and buttery brioche slider rolls. Head to Hero.co to shop today. Episode of the Gen Jag Podcast. I'm your host Jordan DeLugo, joined as always by Scott Klein. Jaguars are coming off a very disappointing offensive performance against the Titans. We will get into that. We will preview the Jaguars versus Jets and much more. Make sure to follow Scott on Twitter at ScottKlein1. You can follow myself at Jordan DeLugo on Twitter. And make sure to follow Generation Jaguar on Twitter for all the latest Jags news, updates, analysis at Generation Jag. Facebook and Instagram at Generation Jaguar. You can uh, check out GenJag.com. We've got all our videos up there. We've got uh, UCF Jaguar. We've got blog articles. Uh, All the podcasts are there. We've got a bunch of fun new Duval-themed gear dropping pretty much every week. We have an Air Cole shirt that is available now. I'm currently wearing it. Pretty stoked on that. Keelan Cole might not have had the best week this week, but... Still, one of the best catches we've ever seen in week two. So fun stuff there. Uh, please subscribe to our show on SoundCloud and the iTunes Podcast app. If you could, please give us a review on the iTunes Podcast app as well. Helps us out a lot. Uh, big shout out to the one and only sponsor of the Gin Jag Podcast, Bold City Brewery. Find them online at boldcitybrewery.com. Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Bold City Brewery. They've got their anniversary party coming up next month on October 20th. Ten years of Bold City Brewery. Pretty awesome there. They've also got new Screamsicle Brew available exclusively at Daly's Place. And they've got us hooked up with a nice beer that we will test out a little bit later in the show and tell you about. We've got a lot to get into, as I said earlier, Scott. Jaguars, Titans, thoughts. Really disappointing performance there. We'll take you around the AFC South. We will do our pump the brakes segment of the week, and then of course we'll talk Jaguars and Jets. Quick reminder about our tailgate this Sunday, 9 a.m. at Strata. Free food and beverages, beer from Bold City Brewery and Green Room. We've got vodka from Carve Vodka, and uh, of course we've got chicken biscuits from Metro Diner this weekend. That is at Strata at 240 Talleyrand Avenue, 9 a.m. this weekend. Hope to see you out there. So let's just go ahead and get right into the Jaguars' debacle on offense against the Titans, Scott. What stood out to you? Yeah, I mean, I think the same thing stood out to everybody. (laughs) Blake was not good. I mean, that's... Blake wasn't good that game? That was, yeah, obvious. Oh. Yeah, I know. It's it's like they're saying the sun is hot. Interesting. But it was just... That was... What carried him the week before was really the downfall of the Jaguars this week. He wasn't able to hit the simple throws. I mean, the underneath stuff, out routes that weren't just wide open. I mean, it just it looked ugly. Yeah. Um, the running backs really couldn't get anything going. TJ Yeldon looked good, but he was limited. I right. mean, you could Only tell. Only seven carries. He he was he was looking like he was the best player on offense at the time. Definitely. He was their best player offensively on Sunday. But he wasn't healthy. I mean, he was trying to tough it out. Yeah, he ended up with with 13 touches, but it was really in a short time span. He didn't really play all that much. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, uh, there were a couple drops. Um, It was just... The Titans, they just... they, They always seem to have a plan when they play against us. And... They're three for three right now. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Logan Ryan said it pretty good, I think. He said, 
Jaguars want to be a physical team that beats you up, and we just do it better than them. And, and the, I mean, I don't know if they do it better than the Jaguars against the rest of the league, but against the Jaguars head to head, they certainly have proven their point. So I, it's 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 tough. I mean, there's there's so many different things that you can point at to say why we lost. Um, there's a couple things that people are pointing at that we don't necessarily agree with. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but. Well, I'm sure we'll get into all that later on, but to me, the main thing was the passing office offense wasn't efficient at all. We yeah. couldn't get anything going. The what little running game you had was just dead in the water. I mean, outside of the little bit from T.J. Yeldon, it was just a rough day. I mean, offensive line played not awful. I mean, they 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 held their own. Um, they just the Titans really they. Knew what they wanted to do, and we were letting them get away with it. Definitely. I'd say the offensive line had their worst game of the season so far, which isn't saying much, considering they had given up one sack. Yeah. <laughs> or uh, was it no sacks prior to this game? I think they had given up one. Okay. So, yeah. So, I mean, the offensive line in terms of pass protection has been pretty good all year. They started this game really strong. I thought in the fourth quarter they really fell yeah. off. Blake didn't have a whole lot of time to get anything going in the fourth quarter. It was really the first time that you could tell Blake was rushed, and big time. Early, like you said, early on, they, they, things were doing okay. But really, I mean, when they when started, he, yeah, when he had the time in the pocket early on, he was either missing his man or his guy dropped the ball. Yeah, so it was pretty frustrating to watch. And to me, it was bizarre. And I think this is more on Blake than anything. It's just. There was, I think, two passes over 10 yards for the entire game. No. Not even... There was five. Five, I'm sorry. But he only completed one, which is just crazy. Yeah. That, one pass that traveled over 10 yards in the air was completed. And nothing was super deep at all. No. I mean, not even... Blake did come out and say today that there were some shots deep that he just missed, that he didn't yeah. see him. And uh, he hit those, of course, against the Patriots the week before. And I think the fact that he had success underneath... Or in the Patriots game early, really open that up. I mean, if you can hit everything underneath, it's going to force the defense to creep up and eye on, and keep your keep their eye on that, which opens up the holes it, it, deeper down the field. And that just never happened. They just said, "Okay, keep yeah. screwing it up down here. We'll just hang out back here and watch." Yeah. Now getting back to the offensive line a little bit. Um... Linder did give up his first sack of the season, which is pretty disappointing. Andrew Norwell had another penalty this game, as did Jeremy Parnell. You really need to see less penalties and more consistency throughout on the offensive line. This is an offense, Doug Marone said it today, they're not designed to play behind the, mm-hmm. behind the chains. Like They're not designed to be able to overcome uh, first and 20 or second and 20. He, he, I believe he even said he'd rather them give up the play than to take a penalty. I mean, yeah. second and 12 or 13 for this offense is... is it's it, more, it is manageable more manageable than, than the, the really, really long down and distance, mm-hmm. yeah. No doubt about it. Um, and then getting back to Blake a little bit here, he finished 21 of 34, which isn't too bad on the surface, but he just wouldn't test the defense downfield like we said. His yards per attempt of... 4.6 would be the worst in the NFL over the first three weeks. I mean, he just did not seem comfortable or confident. Good thing is he didn't turn the ball over, despite fumbling late in the game. But there was at least six passes where he just flat out missed his man. Yeah, there was, yeah, there was just some awful, awful throws. That, um, players that were wide open, and he had plenty of time. Yeah. It's just inexcusable. It really is. The receivers were okay. Mm-hmm. Keelan Cole had a couple drops. Um, still was the best receiver probably on the day. Austin Farian Jenkins missed a pass that I thought he could have hauled in early in the game. Uh, DJ Chark dropped another pass. So, okay, I probably am using loosely. They weren't great. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, but I mean, when you have a quarterback playing the way that he was that day, yeah. Uh, some I so, I mean I I thought maybe one of the passes was on Keelan Cole as far as the drop goes. Yeah. Because even if it hit him in the hands, he was stretching out and it was he was getting one hand 
fingertips on it. Yeah, I count that one as that, yeah. that one's a blank in my opinion for sure. Um, getting into the running game, we brought this up a little bit earlier, but uh, TJ Yeldon was just fantastic. Seven mm. carries for 44 yards, and then he added six catches on just six targets for 44 yards as well. So in his limited time, he racked up uh, 88 yards. 88 yards on 13 touches is really impressive. And it was pretty obvious on offense, without TJ Yeldon or Leonard Fournette, they had no chance to run the ball effectively. Corey Grant could not get the job done. I don't know if it was his fault necessarily because the O-line didn't give him much room to work with. Six carries for 12 yards from him. Brandon Wilds had a carry. He got five yards on it. I think he might be a better option in the future mm-hmm. uh, as someone who gets a bulk amount of carries in a traditional running style if Leonard Fournette and TJ Yeldon are unable to play. Yeah, I'll, I'll, I will I'll have a sneaking suspicion I'll get into that a little bit later on in the All podcast. Right. <laughs> All right. Now, um, the O-line just flat out needs to be better in run blocking. Mm. They got to get better. Got to be more physical. Andrew Norwell, superb run blocker in the past. Brandon Lender's a really good run blocker. Jeremy Parnell should be a good run blocker. I know you've got a kind of patchwork offensive line last week with with Chris Reed and Josh Wells both having to start, but they they were better run blockers than the rest of the guys on the O-line. So I think the O-line as a whole needs to step up moving forward. And it was really an area that we thought the Jaguars would excel with yeah. the addition of Andrew Norwell. And the Pat... The pass blocking prior to this week was pretty good. And even for a good portion of this game was pretty good. But the penalties are too much. um, And the run blocking hasn't been impressive. Of course, when TJ Yeldon and Leonard Fournette are in the game, the run blocking looks a lot better. But they haven't had that luxury. And they've got to block whoever whoever the Jaguars have back there. They've got to be able to block for them. And they haven't been getting it done with Corey Grant. Uh, ASJ, big shout out to him as a run blocker. Mm-hmm. Mercedes who? Yeah, for real. I mean, coming in, he was like a guy who was like, he's going to be a vertical threat. He's going to use his athleticism. He's a receiving tight end, period. He has been all around tight end. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. He's really surprised and been an excellent addition, especially when you lose somebody like Mercedes. Yeah. Recapping the offense's performance as a whole against the um, Titans there. I think it was just the perfect storm of negative things to happen. No Fournette. Yeldon misses much of the game. Keelan Cole has his worst game yet. Blake Bortles is wildly inaccurate. There's a lot of uh, penalties on the offensive side of the ball. It just doesn't make for a good performance, especially against a Titans team that feels confident playing against you and is going to really bring the physicality to the game. Yeah, to me, and talk like... Texted a bit before, you know, prepping for the podcast. It really felt like it was the Jaguars were just a couple plays away from turning the tide of this game. It was if you get a couple more first downs because there's a couple completions, you can continue. You can keep drives going. You can keep your defense off the field. You can pin the Titans further away from the field goal, which they were just perfectly fine taking all all day. Um, just make it that much more difficult on them. It would have changed the the way because the the field position game would have shifted into our direction, and we would have been in their shoes. Definitely, but it just never came together. I mean, there was just when you do get a little momentum going, every drive, then you get a false start. Then Blake Bortles gets sacked trying to scramble. There was something every drive. Yeah, (laughs) it 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 kind of reminded me of the Jets game last year, where they were just shooting themselves in the foot non. They were able to do a little bit more on offense in that game. But, Mm -hmm. yeah, I don't disagree with you there. Uh, Moving to the defensive side of the ball. Really great performance for the most part. I mean... Yeah. And people uh, were complaining about it. And I was just blown away. You give up nine points in the NFL. You have done something right. I don't care who you're playing against. You... If... Okay. They didn't score a touchdown the whole game. I want to see the percentage of games... Where the opponent scores scores nine points and you lose. I'm right. sure it's very low. Yeah, I'd agree with you there. So, uh, run defense. You see 150 yards on the ground given up. You're like, oh gosh, this wasn't a great game. But that's kind of reminiscent of week one against the Giants. Uh, it really isn't indicative of the run defense's performance. <laughs> um, Marcus Mariota had 
uh, fit over 50 yards on the ground. And obviously you want to be able to stop the athletic running quarterback, but I don't think that's indicative of your run defense. Uh, Derrick Henry and Deion Lewis, their two main running backs, combined 27 carries. They got just 83 yards on those carries, averaging right at 3.0 yards per carry. Uh, It was all Mariota's legs, really, for their offense. That's their entire offense. Yeah, I mean, (laughs) I like to play just what if. If, what if Blaine Gabbert never gets knocked out of the game? Yeah. I'm not sure they really do anything. I don't think they would have scored more <laughs> than a field goal. Maybe so, two. Yeah. So it's it's just one of those games where it's almost you're almost in disbelief that it went the way that it did. But when you look at your play look at your playing, I was terrified of this kind of game. I didn't think it would be this bad because I thought we would actually be able to do something offensively, but it's just they just seem to have our number. Yeah, I agree with you completely. Uh, so then getting into the, well, prior to that, NFL let Telvin Smith know that there should have been a holding penalty on third down mm-hmm. run by Marcus Mariota late in the game against Taylor Lewan. Cool. doesn't matter now, but it cool. is. thanks. Good to know. <laughs> yeah, it doesn't matter. Yeah. Uh, the NFL has screwed up a couple calls against the Jaguars this year and in the past. On Telvin Smith, the last game against the Patriots as well. Yeah, so really frustrating stuff there. Not the reason why they lost the game, but it doesn't help when <laughs> the refs aren't really doing what they're supposed to be. <laughs> yeah, uh, but getting into the pass defense, I mean, the pass defense was better than the run defense. They gave up 83 passing yards in this game. Mm-hmm. Got three sacks. Uh, several pre- several more pressures than that. You'd like to... I mean, three sacks isn't bad, but the Jaguars have had two sacks and two sacks and three sacks. I mean, last season at this point, they were in the teens in sacks. Right now, they've only got uh, seven sacks on the year. Mm-hmm. You'd really like to see them land on some of these pressures a little bit more. Yeah, and... Of course, one of them was taken away. Yeah. Uh, by... Penalty. Yeah, and Calais Campbell was just a one-man wrecking crew. Yeah, I mean, he, he was dominant against the pass. Game. Two sacks. Uh, he and, was good against the run, too. And you look at how much they affected Blaine Gabbert. I mean, I think a lot of it is Mark Mariota probably should have been sacked a couple times, but just his athleticism just escaped and was able to pick up huge plays. I mean, Definitely. there's one where Avery Jones is about a foot away from him running his guy into Mariota's lap. In, right on the goal line, and he just runs, scrambles out to the left side for a first down. Yeah. And I was like, how did that happen? It's frustrating. I was excited to just depressed. It's frustrating, but again, you look at just nine points. Mm-hmm. You got to win a game when your defense only allows nine points. Yeah. I would I would have liked it. To me, it it seemed like if, if I was the Jaguars defense coordinator, I wouldn't respect Mariano's ability to throw at all because it didn't seem like. He was interested in throwing the ball. They didn't seem like the Titans were interested in really pressing the issue. Test him, you know. I mean, how much is that hand? There were reports before the game. He couldn't even feel like he couldn't grip the ball with his hands. Yeah. It, I don't know. It. There's a lot of what ifs, but I mean, it was it was a pretty solid game for the defense. Um, they didn't make it the plays that we're used to them seeing. Yeah. But overall, they did enough to be able to win the game, and the offense let them down. Absolutely. And they couldn't get stops at the. I mean, they stopped the Titans the whole game, but they did allow that late field goal. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it was a really good performance by the defense. Not spectacular, no forced turnovers. The defense needs to return to their playmaking ways of last year. I think they will. I just think this game, yeah, I, it was a perfect storm. If, let's say, the Texans played this kind of game, oh, they had a great game. But that's not what the, the Jaguars' defense is used to. I mean, you're right. used to excellence every single day, and that was above average. That was very good, but not what we're, we've been accustomed to the last year or so. Right. And then uh, getting to special teams, Jaden Mickens, he was steady per usual, nothing spectacular, but also no blunders, so you'll take that. Uh, Josh Lambeau was 2 of 2 on his field goals. And then Logan Cook had a solid day, I think, averaging 45.5 yards per punt. He got two down inside the 20. And uh, special teams has been it's been good for the Jaguars. You cannot complain about the special teams so far this year. Yeah, I, Logan Cook has been 
great at really pinning the guys deep. Yeah. Um, He's had a couple punts that yeah. you'd like to have back, but mo- for the most part, he's Once you get around the end zone, he's money. Yeah. And then Lambo, I mean, he speaks for himself. No doubt <laughs> about great. it. great. So that pretty much does it. Obviously a very disappointing game by the offense. The defense, while they were impressive, could not, could not score. I mean, yeah. uh, this was one of those games where the Jaguars' defense needs to score a touchdown, and they mm-hmm. couldn't do it. It was frustrating. Uh, the defense also did struggle to get off the field. Of course, it didn't help that uh, the offense just could do nothing. So the defense was worn out in the fourth quarter. Yeah, I mean it was a it was a blistering day. I mean I know yeah, it was I know, hot as hell. I know that we we practice here, but when you get into the fourth quarter and the defense is on the field as much as they had been, I mean when you have a two hundred forty pound running back just running out the gut every play. Yeah, it's. I mean, it's, it's lights out. <laughs> it was tough, for sure. Now, as we get ready to move on to looking forward, let's pump the brakes real quick. <laughs> what do you got for us this week on our pump the brakes segment? Uh, I'm going to say pump the brakes on Corey Grant as a running back. I don't believe... It was the right decision to only bring in three running backs at the beginning of the season. Um, we actually talked about it early on in the season about getting him more touches. I still think it was the right decision. I'll disagree with you there. Only because I think they thought both of those running backs could be had um, you know, for their practice squad and or just being picked True. up off the street. But then use them. Okay, that, that's Wild. a different story. <laughs> yeah. That's a different story. To me, when you, when you have your full complement of running backs... Corey Grant is an excellent piece because you can bring him in and package plays. You can literally scheme plays for him, not necessarily saying, okay, line up in the I formation and run it up the gut. Right. So, I mean, I see a lot of people, oh, well, if Corey, Corey Grant, he just, oh, he needs to get more touches. Oh, Corey Grant, he didn't do enough. It's like, well, that, it's fitting a square peg into a round hole. I mean, I think, I think of him more as an offensive weapon. Like the Denard Robinson, I agree with you. The, the description, then he is a running back, and for that to to go in, knowing the injury history that Fournette has, to say you're one play away from having that guy be your second back, and then you go into a TJ Yeldon where he played, but didn't really all play that much. I just think I, you need that security. I mean, you can't have Corey Grant. Potentially be your number one running back, which he seemingly I agree was completely. Um, I, I do think that the offensive line is to blame a little bit for his, for his poor performance, mm-hmm. but I, I agree with you that he's not a guy that you want to be your number one back. And I think of him as like I, I'll compare him to, um, oh, of course, I just blanked on his name, uh, sixth man in basketball. Oh gosh, what's his Jamal name? Crawford? Yes, Jamal Crawford. He, he, he's good enough to be a starter. And you're like, man, why doesn't this guy play the starter? But then he comes in off the bench for six minutes and puts up like 14 points. Right. You're like, okay, he's excellent in bursts. That's Corey Grant. Yeah, you mix him in there. The, the defense is used to getting a heavy dose of Fournette and Yeldon. And then when you mix him in there, you're like, it's tough to defend. Yeah. Especially when you've got him on the field with Yeldon or Fournette. Mm-hmm. So I'm, I'm with you there. I don't think he's as bad as his performance this week suggested as a running yeah. back. Because I do think the offensive line struggled to block for him. But I agree, it's kind of trying to fit a square peg in a round hole. And I think he's more—he's so much more valuable in space just from that speed. Yeah. I mean, just forcing him between the tackles is just kind of... not the way to use him. It's make, counterproductive. Yeah. yeah. It doesn't make sense. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I'm with you there. Um, I'm pumping the brakes this week. On calling for Nathaniel Hackett's head. Yes. People have not been happy with his play calling or what they perceive as his play calling. But I just completely disagree with the entire premise that his play calling was bad. Blake Bortles was awful. Mm-hmm. He couldn't hit anybody open. When he did hit open, guys, they dropped the ball. Uh, you had tons of offensive line uh, penalties, false start holding. You had delay of game penalties. Um it's just a performance that was the perfect storm for the offense. 
the players on the offense just not doing their job and not getting it done. I don't think any of it had to do with Nathaniel Hackett. I think if Bortles was able to hit the guys that were open and uh, if the guys that were open were able to make the plays, it's easy. It, it wasn't like they were just too tightly covered the whole game. That I, wasn't the thing. I completely agree. And I, want, I invite anybody out on the interwebs to tell me or Jordan on Twitter how this game plan was any different than last week's well, versus the Patriots. Some people have said that, you know, it should be different every week, week to week. Which, of course, they're not running the exact same plays every week. No, correct. It's not as if it's like, oh, we're so stupid, we're just going to run the same plays. Which is what some people are suggesting. <laughs> we've we've got our script for the year. <laughs> right. No, I mean, it, the plays were there. Mm-hmm. The players just didn't execute them. Yeah, the the, the, diff- the difference between those two games is that the Patriots played much more man in press and more able, and Blake felt more comfortable because he had one-on-one coverage on the outside to be able to, to take those deep shots. Like, for example, the touchdown to Keelan Cole in the corner of the end zone. He was The man was pressed up, and Keelan Cole just beat him. And it yeah. was literally an easy throw. Yeah. It was, there was no thinking. You just put it in the right spot, and he won the route. That's easy. When you're going up against zone... Allowing and where the defense is allowing everything in front of them, and really trying to take away the deep ball, you gotta hit your you gotta hit them underneath and make them pay. If you can chunk them for four or five yards at a time, you're winning. But they just couldn't do that this game. So I 100% agree with you. I mean, the play calling on that he Nathaniel Hacking could call whatever play he wants. Blake Bortles, it doesn't mean Blake Portals is gonna throw the ball where he wants to throw it. I mean, looking at the defense, feeling if his inner clock is going off, it's just there's a lot of different factors that Hackett can set up for Blake, but doesn't necessarily mean he's going to embrace it and do exactly what Hackett wants to do yeah. at any given second. I'm with you, and it's it's a work in progress. It was a terrible game by Blake. I think that he'll definitely rebound. You're not going to see that all year. Yeah, that's not going to be what this season is about. I don't think for Blake Bortles. Um, before we get into injuries and the AFC South roundup and the Jaguars versus Jets preview, we've got a lovely brew here from Bold City Brewery. We've got the Consolidation Amber Air Ale, excuse me, celebrating the 50th anniversary of the merger of Duval County and Jacksonville. The con- consolidation of the county and the city. It's a lightly hopped amber ale brewed with an experimental hop that gives a subtle spiciness and hints of melon balanced with a maltness delivered from a consolidation of American and European grains. You see what they did there? So yeah, great beer here. You can get it at their downtown location. Um, Big shout out to Bold City Brewery, as always, for hooking up the brews and... um, and also hooking us up for all our tailgates as well. So thanks to Bold City Brewery. Check them out, boldcitybrewery.com, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, at Bold City Brewery. So getting into the injuries here, Scott, missing from practice today, Wednesday, uh, TJ Yeldon, he has an ankle injury. We've talked about that quite a bit already. Brandon Linder, knee injury, he's had that all, all regular season. He's sustained it in week three of the preseason He's scheduled to miss every Wednesday from here on out. This isn't a big deal. If he misses more time, then it is a big deal. But as of right now, yeah, he check, should be fine. Check back tomorrow. <laughs> yeah, no big deal at this point. DJ Hayden, he missed the game against the uh, against the Titans with a toe injury. And I don't know if him playing would have made a massive difference. It might have. I don't know. Yeah. Uh, but he has been an unsung hero for the Jaguars so far. A guy that came in to replace Aaron Colvin, who was kind of beloved around here. Colvin departed for Houston, and DJ Hayden came in to be the starting nickel. A lot of people had a lot of questions about him, including myself. And his first two performances in a Jaguars uniform were just sterling. They were amazing. Fantastic. Yep. So uh, you obviously want to get those guys back. Definitely TJ Yeldon. Not worried about Brandon Linder. You would like to get DJ Hayden back as well. Uh, practiced today, but we're also on the injury report. We're Leonard Fournette with his hamstring injury. We know all about that. It's just about if they feel comfortable on game day this week, I think, uh, to get him back out there. Calais Campbell, he has an ankle injury. He had been dealing with knee soreness prior. 
He's been banged up, but he's been battling through. It leads the team in sacks. He's been a monster. Yeah, if he was hurt last game, it didn't show. I mean, <laughs> he was an animal. So, I mean, he might... Maybe getting hurt is, is good for him. It puts a little fire in his belly. It reminds him, out, it reminds him to get angry. Yeah. <laughs> Something. Uh, AJ Can he missed the game as well. Chris Reed started for him. He has a triceps injury. He was out there at practice. He had a big brace on his arm. Remains to be seen if he'll be able to go this week. But he's a guy you want to have out there. I don't think his health is the most important thing for the Jaguars offense, mm. but I think you'd rather have him out there than not have him out there. So Yeah, he's been playing great ball. Yeah. Jeremy Parnell, he's had his knee injury for quite some time as well. He's he's playing through it and he's doing fine. ASJ, Austin Safarian Jenkins, he has his core muscle injury, same thing. He's been playing through it and been playing very well. So the guys you're really looking at here worried about, you want TJ Yeldon to be able to play for sure. You want DJ Hayden to play. Leonard Fournette, um, it'd be great to get him back this week. The Jaguars need to have him back. But at the same time, you want him to come back at full strength. Mm -hmm. You're not trying to rush a guy back from a hamstring. You know these can linger all season long. And uh, quite frankly, I think the Jaguars, if TJ Yeldon is healthy, can sit Leonard Fournette somewhat comfortably and just try to win games and get to the postseason and then un- unleash the beast. Yeah, I would be surprised if they're really rushing them that back this week. Um, next week might be a different story. At Kansas um, City? Yeah, that's where if he's still out, I would be surprised. Because if he's practicing now... Yeah, I mean, he practiced some last mm-hmm. week too. I would, I would. It was actually kind of a surprise that he was ruled out this week. Yeah, I was. Opinion. I was. I was expecting him to play, but if he, if he doesn't play this week, I will probably put money down that he's he's coming back against Kansas City. Yeah, I'd agree with that. I'd like to get him back this week, obviously, but it's all about the playoffs. Mm-hmm. But you got to get to the playoffs, so yeah, it's a tricky situation there. Now moving to our AFC South roundup. We obviously know what happened with the Jaguars and Titans. They are tied at the top at 2-1. and one. The Titans own the tiebreaker as they beat the Jaguars this weekend, or last weekend. We all know what happened with that game. The Colts, they're in third place at 1-2. and two. They just barely fell to the Eagles in Week 3. They had a fourth-quarter lead and couldn't hang on to it. They failed to find the end zone after the first quarter. Played pretty well, though, 16-20. to 20. Was the score against the Eagles? A uh, lot of a lot of promise coming out of Indianapolis lately. Yeah, I yeah. Last year, I certainly didn't pay much attention to their games, but they keep playing the way the way they've been playing. They might, you know, be, they might be keeping a watchful eye on them because yeah. when you have a quarterback like Andrew Luck, when you've got a tight end like Eric Ebron playing as well as Ty Hilton, Hilton, the defense is apparently making plays, you might have to watch a Colts game every now and <laughs> as awful as that sounds, yeah. just to see what we're up against. Now the Texans, they're free-falling a bit. They've lost their first three games of the season. They lost last weekend to the Giants. Battle of winless teams there. They couldn't stop Eli Manning. He went 25 for 29. Barkley found the end zone. OBJ had a big day. Texans just can't find a way to win ball games right now. They've lost three games by a combined total of 15 points. They're obviously close in these games, but they're just not finding any way to win in the fourth quarter. Yeah, at this point, they're so far behind. Right, I don't think they have a chance at making the playoffs, especially with the way 0-3 they're playing. Three is a big hole. I don't. I think 12 percent of teams that started 0 and 2 in the last 20 years have made it to the playoffs. Yeah, I mean 0 and 3. It's so it's so hard, especially when you're two games back. Yeah, I mean, on an average year, you gotta win. If you start zero and three, that means you have to finish ten and three or nine and four that's to make the playoffs. Good, that uh, good tough. luck. Yeah, that is really tough. Now the Texans and Colts play this Sunday. Texans will have a chance to get that first win and head in the right direction. The Colts will have a chance to be two and two. And uh, if the Titans and Jaguars both fall this week, 
they could be tied at the top of the division with with the Jackson Titans. So it's interesting the way the division's working out. Uh, the Titans are on top. They don't they don't have much offense to show for it, but they're on top right now. I think the Jaguars are still the favorites, but they're coming off that embarrassing loss to the Titans. Like we said, the Colts have been really close to beating a couple of good teams, the Eagles and the Bengals, and then they did beat the Redskins pretty impressively. And the Texans, again, they haven't won yet, but they have been competitive. So it's a fun division, I think. Yeah, I mean, it's certainly with the Colts playing the way they have been, and even really the Texans, who by all accounts are still have a lot of talent. I mean, you got J.J. Watt and DeAndre Hopkins. They can they can play with some people. So, I mean, it's it might not be so much as the Jaguars and then everyone else. They might be a little bit more muddled than we think. Yeah. Now, the Jaguars can kind of put that to bed this week if they come out and have an impressive yeah. performance against the Jets at home. Jaguars are favored by 7.5 against the Jets. They will wear white on white, the team just announced, which is a much better look than that white with teal pants. I kind of liked it. I, I couldn't stand it. There was really? no continuity. It was the socks threw it off for me. There was the no... white shirts with the, blue, with the teal pants and then the black socks. It was I, just bizarre. I couldn't stand it. I didn't mind it. I just think that they look like two separate uniforms. That like, it, it, To me, it looked like when you're playing Madden and you just put together yeah. a crazy uniform combination yeah. and uh, you come out with something looking pretty funky. That's that. what I saw. I can see That's that. That's how I felt about it. I, I didn't, didn't like eh, it. I think the socks, if they, were a diff- if they weren't just black all the way down from the knee, it would have been better, but I didn't mind it. <laughs> well, I'm glad they're moving back to the white on white here. Something we can... You know, you you play you play better when you look better. Yeah. I don't think they looked great last week. They look good in white. They look real good in white. <laughs> yeah. So hopefully that holds true against the Jets. One PM kickoff in Jacksonville. Again, we will have our tailgate out at Strata, two forty Talleyrand Avenue, nine AM. We'll have beverages for Gen Jag members, chicken biscuits from Metro Diner, so come out and see us, two forty Talleyrand Avenue. The Jets have dropped two straight games after coming out with a dominating 48-17 to victory over the Lions. Uh, let's go ahead and start looking at their offense here, Scott. They're led by rookie Sam Darnold. What have you seen from him so far? A lot of what you saw in college. I mean, he's got the ability to make all the throws. He just doesn't always have the consistency or accuracy to do so. Um, his decision-making is suspect at times. You question what in the world is he doing the very first pass he ever threw in the nfl regular season was scrambling to the right threw back across the field to the left side of the field pick six went back out to have a pretty good game i mean a really um, good 75 percent of his passes completed that game yeah the Lions. not only like 160 yards right so not at huge totals but a lot of played well because the uh the lions defense his really defense got a lot of help or i mean <laughs> The Jets' defense took yeah. care of business. Came out through for like 300-something yards against the Dolphins. Um, kind of came back down to earth um, this past game. But I think he's definitely a guy who will... He's. I think he's comp- very confident in himself because, and honestly he should be, that he sometimes tries to force things into things that just aren't there. And the windows are so much smaller that... The mistake that he made in college that punished him, I mean, he's not he's not going to have any shot doing yeah. that in the NFL. So he's shown to me he's a guy who you can get turnovers off of. Fumbles are a huge problem for this guy. He fumbles the ball a lot. Yeah, he, he can make plays outside the pocket looking downfield, but sometimes mm-hmm. that costs you. And he's thrown two picks in each of the last games, threw one pick against the uh, Lions, like you said, so... He's a guy that's turnover prone for sure right now in his career. Moving over towards their running game, they've been pretty damn good. Isaiah Crowell and Bilal Powell both are averaging four and a half yards a carry. Mm-hmm. That's nothing to shake your head at. That's pretty impressive. Yeah. Uh, Crowell showed some explosiveness on a 60-yard run against the uh, Lions late. Um, they kind of have that one-two punch there. Uh I think you should see more of what we've been seeing from the Jaguars of being really being able to stifle a running game. 
Um, but they have been performing pretty well. I mean, Bilal Powell, look what he did to us last year. I mean, yeah. so it's it's a bit different. Uh, Darius is playing. Darius is going to be playing this game. <laughs> He's definitely made a huge impact along with Avery Jones. Right, and he wasn't there last year when Correct. the two teams played. So it's uh, hopefully they touch a guy they're down on the ground this time. <laughs> Certainly. Quincy Anunwa, he's quickly developed into Darnold's yeah. favorite target. He's been impressive this season, has double, over double, the amount of targets and receptions of any other receiver. Terrell Pryor is out there. He's been explosive when he's caught the ball, but he only has eight catches, hasn't been targeted all that much. Uh, deep threat Robbie Anderson, he's fallen by the wayside after an impressive season last year. Mm-hmm. Sam Darnold has rarely looked to make throws deep down the field, and that's really his bread and butter. Yeah, I mean, Inuwa has just really been the focal point for Sam Darnold. He's a physical, big yeah. receiver. Can really make plays after the catch. I, I like him a lot. I have him on my fantasy team. I'm not going to lie. Yeah. yeah he, I mean, don't think I'm going to be starting him this week, <laughs> but we'll see. Yeah, and, and look for... I mean, it's a perfect matchup for either Jalen or uh, Boye. Um, Boye can use a little bit of a bounce-back game um, from, from this past week. But, I mean, no one in this... No one in this uh, wide receiver court really scares you. Yeah, I agree with you completely. Um, their defense, switching sides of the ball, they're tied for 10th in sacks. They have eight total, all of which have come in the last two games. Uh, but before we get to their pass rush up front, their secondary is star-studded. They've got Jamal Adams, who might be the best young safety in the game. Tremaine Johnson, who's an excellent cover corner. Marcus May could be in line for a return to the lineup at safety after missing time with foot and ankle injuries over the past month. Uh, he's a very good young player as well. Came in the same year as Jamal Adams. They've also got Buster Screen, who's an impressive player, but he missed practice today with a knee injury. And they've also got Mo Claiborne at cornerback. So they've got a lot of names you know. A lot. I mean, Jamal Adams, Tremaine Johnson, and Marcus May. If you're able to get those three guys on the field at once, that's a nice secondary. Yeah, I mean... Jamal Adams is just the playmaker everyone thought he would be. He's an unbelievable talent. Um, they really, looking, I mean, looking even back at last week, they got a bit exploited by Baker Mayfield. I mean, once he yeah. came in, it looks like he kind of had him on their heels. And Jamal Adams said straight up they weren't prepared to play against him in that game. I don't know if that's... <laughs> that seems a bit suspect. Throwing but... your coaching staff under the bus. <laughs> yeah. I don't know what you're doing there. But a rookie really took advantage of them in the second half. Worth noting, they're the first team to be beaten by the Browns in like 630-something days. Yeah, I mean, it was the first win for the Browns <laughs> since 2016. It's so. not great. <laughs> <laughs> no doubt about it. I, I, I don't think the Browns are a bad They've team. played a couple of really close games. They should have beaten probably both the teams that they played against. Yeah, I'm with you. I, I, I'm kind of rooting for the Browns this year. Yeah. We'll see. We shall see. But then getting to their uh, up front, I mean, that's where it really starts. Mm-hmm. Leonard Williams, he's an excellent player. He has seven quarterback pressures so far. And you've got Henry Anderson, who's registered nine pressures. Steve McClendon, really good against the run. He's also contributed three pressures on the year. Their linebacker group, highlighted by Darren Lee, spectacular in coverage. Probably the best linebacker in coverage this year so far. But he does sometimes struggle against the run, struggle to make tackles. Then you've got Jordan Jenkins out of Georgia. A lot of people are familiar with around here. He's a good all-around player, and he's registered seven pressures. Then you've got edge defender Brandon Copeland, who's also contributed seven pressures. And Avery Williamson, he's chipped in four pressures with two sacks at, from the linebacker position, not the edge position. So it's, it's not a bad group up front. Yeah, it's, uh, it's going to be a test. I mean... Like you said earlier, the pass protection has been much better than the run blocking for this offensive line, but we'll see. I mean, Leonard Leonard Williams played very well against us last year. Um, we got to hope they're really on their A game. Yeah, I'm with you there. So, moving on to special teams, Jason Myers has hit, yes, that Jason Myers, <laughs> has hit 8 of 9 PATs. Not great, but... Could be worse for the Jets. He Wait, has he missed a PAT. No oh, way. That's weird. He has made all five of his field goal attempts. 
He's gotten touchbacks on 15 of 17 kickoffs, so he's been pretty good for the Jets so far. Can't complain about him too much. Their punter, Edwards, has been impressive with an average of 47.9 yards per punt, seven punts landing inside the 20. He's been solid for sure. Then you've got Andre Roberts, who's bounced around the league a little bit. He's their designated kick and punt returner. He's been steady, and he already has a punt return touchdown on the year, so that's something you definitely have to be conscious of when you're playing against the Jets. So their special teams really hasn't been an issue for them at all. If anything, it's it's, it's helped them in most of their games. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Cool. We got Logan Ryan. Not Logan. <laughs> Not Ryan. Logan Ryan. Oh my God. Logan Cook. Logan Cook. Oh, Shame gosh. on you, Scott. I can't get over the Titans game. I'm sorry. Yeah. I don't but blame um, you we got Logan Cook. Get him. Get him within this within eyesight of the of the end zone. Done. <laughs> Inside the ten. Yeah, I'm with you there. So let's go ahead and get into our keys to victory here, Scott. Yeah. Um, Let's start on the defensive side of the ball for the Jaguars. On the defense, let's see. Uh, the number one issue, like we talked about it leading into the game, is really flustering Sam Darnold. He's a rookie. Just do what you do. Pass rush, get in his face. The, make that poor decision-making really expose himself. If you shorten the clock, he's going to have to make decisions quicker. That's going to lead to a more likely chance of being able to make a play off of one of those throws. So that would be the biggest thing. I mean, just rattling a cage of a young guy like that, it's it's going to go a long way. Um, Yeah, I'm with you there. And you've got to stop the run. The Jaguars weren't able to stop the run last year against mm-hmm. the Jets, and it really cost them the game. Gave up over 250 yards on the ground last year against them. That, that was in New York, of course. This is in Jacksonville. Jaguars do play a lot better at home. Powell and Crowell have been really good this year. Just don't let the floodgates open now. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I think it's pretty simple. Simple keys to victory. You make Sam Darnold uncomfortable, he's likely to throw a pick or two. And uh, you got to capitalize on those, become that playmaking defense that you're known for being, and just stop the run, which you've been doing great at all year. And then flipping sides of the ball, you've got the Jaguars' offense, which was obviously the issue last week, and really an issue last year against the Jets. What do you What do you need here this week to get a victory? You need guys healthy. I mean, that's that's the biggest thing. Running backs in particular, perhaps. Yeah. T.J. Yeldon at the least. If you get Leonard Fournette back, you're golden. Yeah. I mean, you would love to have both of these guys back. That would make a huge impact on what you want to do. And it's going to, it should theoretically help Blake Bortles to be able to open up the rest of the field. Yeah, for me, if you have a healthy TJ Yeldon or a healthy Leonard Fournette, you're fine on offense. Of Mm -hmm. course, if one of them goes down and the other one's not there, you're in a little bit of trouble. But if you can get one of these guys back, that'd be great. Huge pickup for the offense. Uh, Blake Bortles, just be somewhat accurate beyond the short stuff. I mean, he's shown accuracy, better accuracy, Last season he did, and the first two games of this year. And then last week it was just really ugly, having a lot of really inaccurate passes. Just get back to being who you are. Get Be comfortable, happy, uh, confident Blake, and you'll, you'll be good to go. Just complete a few more of those. If he completed a few more of those throws last week, the, yeah. team, the, the result of the game could have been completely different. Yeah, I will give you one warning. Uh, there's a big bad man at number 33 out there. Just don't go near that guy. Avoid Jamal. <laughs> don't go Adams. near that guy. And he's a complete safety. Plays up in the box really well. Great in coverage. He mm-hmm. just does it all. Do not let that man wreck the game. No. Leonard Williams can do it too. I think Jamal Adams is a little bit more likely to do it. Brandon Leonard's got a test against Leonard Williams for sure and the rest of the offensive line. But I think. You avoid Jamal Adams, avoid him making that back-breaking play against you, and you should be all right. I agree. All right, so let's get into our predictions here, Scott. You want to go first? Yeah, I think this is the game I think we all predicted last week. Um, I'm getting over the Titans hump. I think we're going to get back to really being able to play comfortable football. Um, I see this going very well. I'm... I don't have that gut feeling like I did going into last week. 
Um, I think 23 to 10. I do think they rattle Sam Darnold. I do think he gets they get a ton of turnovers just because of who the, who he is. Um, they're not going to have the success on the ground that they had last year. Um, even in the game, the Jets aren't. The Jets aren't. Um, even in that game, they rarely push the issue downfield. Um, they were able to just dink and dunk them and have the running game be their home run threat. Yeah. I do not think that's going to be the case this year. And if you can force the game into Sam Darnold's hands, I think that they're going to just be gangbusters. I mean, it, 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 I don't think it's going to be a super blowout because you're not going to have the offensive explosion that you had against the Patriots all the time, but I do think it's going to be a 23-10 to 10 game yeah. type of win for the Jaguars. I think that's fair, certainly. Um, I'm going to go with the Jaguars as well. 24-16, I'm going to go just above what the spread is right now, 7.5. I think that the Jets will be able to score an offensive touchdown against the Jaguars' defense, and I think perhaps that could come from a Jaguars turnover. I think that the Jaguars might turn the ball over multiple times in this one, but still be able to overcome it. I think that they win 24-16 uh, with, a, with a good showing from the defense, certainly. And perhaps a defensive touchdown. If not, a big defensive play that leads to an easy score for the Jaguars. Yeah, this is. I mean, this is a defense who picked off Matt Stafford five times. The Jets are right. So it's it's definitely not out of the realm of possibility that they can cause some problems. Yeah. So I'm going 24-16. Scott's going 23-10. Jags. Uh, that's going to do it for the show. Enjoy the final game in the Jaguars three-game homestand to end out September. Hopefully the Jaguars can exact revenge on the Jets for a disappointing loss in 2017. Please follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Generation Jaguar. Twitter at Generation Jag. Check us out on GenJag.com. We've got all the latest news and analysis. We've got videos, podcasts, obviously. And we've also got tons of new Duval gear dropping all the time. The Air Cole shirt is the newest thing we've got. Go check it out at genjag.com. You can leave us a review on the iTunes Podcasts app. Tell us what you think about the show. We'd really appreciate it. And, of course, thanks to Bold City Brewery, the one and only sponsor of the Gen Jag Podcast. And we hope you all have a great weekend, Duval, and go Jags. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? Hero Bread serves up 0 to 1 grams of net carbs, 5 to 11 grams of protein, and high fiber in every delicious serving. Made with natural ingredients, Hero Bread supports gut health, promotes weight management, and helps maintain blood sugar. Hero also drops other limited edition ultra-low net carb goodies like rich, flaky croissants and buttery brioche slider rolls. Head to Hero.co to shop today.